Hello and welcome to the Sekiro podcast. This is a special lockdown series, I think well, me and Ushin are going to call it. And on the line is Ushin Collins. Hello. Good to talk to you again, Porek. Not, not that we haven't talked since, you know, the last episode of the podcast or anything, but it's good to be chatting a bit of rugby, given what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, like I think the, the lack of sport is the least of the issues in the world right now, but it really does feel missed and there's a part of a lot of people's lives missing because of it. I mean, somebody did send me a meme, which was, you know, watch out for your friends, you know, the particularly men, particularly young men, that they don't do anything drastic, like start a podcast in this isolation. In our so, defense, we've already had it started. We're just restarting it. That was the only comeback that I had. I felt very seen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like obviously COVID-19 has Ireland on lockdown and I think the best way to get through it is to read books, listen to podcasts, listen to this podcast, um, try and do things. Shameless marketing. Shameless marketing. Well, I think we just saw that the rugby community is something that's really pulled in behind this. You know, we saw news this week that the AIL domestic season has been like concluded for the year, that there's changes to how the, the final of the Pro 14 will be run and suspended indefinitely. And you've got a host of Irish rugby stars from the men's and women's game you know, making direct appeals to the public to, to try and ensure people's safety. Yeah, I think Keith Earls started it all off with his own personal um, story of his daughter mm. and wanting people to self-isolate and just social distance as much as possible. And then you can really see the RFU and Rugby Players Ireland just rowing behind with lots and lots of different incentives and initiatives and messages. And it just really feels like when everything hits the fan that there's a community there and there's leaders there from the clubs we all support and people we can really follow and go towards. And I think that's what we wanted to talk about today was how important rugby has been to both of us as a sense of community um, and just a sense of community that exists within the fans of, of our teams and, and I guess all teams as well. Uh, before we do though, Park, how are we going to finish the season? Like who wins the Pro 14? So... Technically speaking, uh, who I have a feeling that it's just going to be a final between Leinster and Edinburgh whenever they can fit in a final because they're at the top of the conferences. But that's no fun. So uh, I think a Jonah Lumo competition, only the managers can hold the controllers. <laughs> and yet all of the other 15 starting players have to shout at them from behind during the game, right? Televised live? Oh, yeah. Easy. Well, webcam live. Okay. Yeah, fair point. Uh, the other one for me, though, like my heart goes out to the under 20s team the irish under 20s were on target for back-to-back grand slams only the wins over over italy and france and it really was a golden opportunity like that france team have got half of their under 20s emptied into the national side so you'd have to think the irish were favored for that yeah like you do feel sorry for them and for a lot of those kids and i think people have to remember they are kids like they're 19 year olds that's their moment they're not a lot of them might not go on to professional rugby and that's been taken away from them. You feel sorry for them, especially now that there seems to be no under 20 World Cup going to happen. Like that's their rugby career for some of them over. Hopefully a lot of them will go into academies and hopefully we'll see them again. Yeah, some really talented players there and bright futures for a lot of them in club colours, but just a shame to see so many of them didn't get a chance to finish it on the high that they wanted. Although three back-to-back wins and bonus point wins is a hell of a performance and certainly a, a very, very impressive outing for those young players. Uh, speaking of club colours, I think what we're here to talk about, well, us two, is what our clubs have done for us and that fan base, and that community, and what's meant to us when we've needed it, I think, in the past. You know, I remember 
my first big game in the sports ground was that Connacht Toulouse game, the big one that people realized, oh yeah, Connacht do exist and Connacht are a province that we should kind of, that warrant our attention. It was it was the first home Heineken Cup game for Connacht, wasn't it? It was. The, after Leinster had won the European Cup the year before, Connacht kind of got the, um, here you go, there's a spot in the competition. That's right. And like, I remember that night, like I'd been to games before, I'd been... I'd been in the main stand for the odd game. I'd been in behind the glass at the dogs and a match had happened. But there's something about that day when 9,000 people are in the sports ground and royalty of European rugby had descended on Galway. That Toulouse team was spectacular. You know, these are guys' names that we all remember. You know, Patrino, Madar, Dussetoir, Piccamoles. These are the names you think of about French rugby. We have Vincent Clerc there on the other wing. Just incredible legends of the French game coming to a wet and windy day in Galway. It actually wasn't that bad. We were, but I was like, this is how new <laughs> yeah, I was. By your, to... by your West of Ireland standards, it wasn't that bad. True. But like, <laughs> this is how new I was to the sports ground. I was behind the goal because I couldn't oh. get tickets to either side of the pitch. You know, I got a, a season ticket for the main stand the next year and a season ticket then for the clan stand since then on the year after that. Like, it was the point that brought me into that full-on fanship, that love for the game. Like, I was flanked by my dad and my sister. My sister still goes to the odd game, and my dad realised that rugby was kind of worth watching. He's a big GA fan, like, his love is GA. But to see, when he saw the Toulouse team warm up in front of him, he was like, whoa. <laughs> These lads have skills. <laughs> Not even skills, like literally, like Tyrion O'Halloran at the time, because he was really young and he started for yeah. Connacht. He would fit in one trouser leg of some of the <laughs> Toulouse guys. Yeah, you got some pretty. I mean, William Servat never had a neck, so to speak, but like he's a huge physical specimen. And then, you know, Census Johnson in that front row was was probably double the width of William Servat on his own. You know, don't get me wrong. Toulouse wiped the floor with Connacht that day. Connacht lost ten thirty six. You know, it wasn't a game that people will remember for the rugby on the field, but that sense of occasion that it was that beginning of the here we are, we're not going anywhere. And really that's the day that started that run to the Pro 12 win, you know, getting crowds, getting people, getting support. And you don't get to big championship wins without those building blocks. It created a lovely kind of sense of community between the Connacht and Toulouse fans as well. I know when Connacht went over to France and beat Toulouse a couple of seasons later, that was all the more special because of that bond that Connacht and Toulouse had. And I think that that sense of community between opposition fans is something really special. Probably something we'll touch on over, you know, a couple more of these lockdown episodes, but definitely a bit of a, a bond there with the Toulouse guys. Yeah, there is every single person who's been to Toulouse in France. This is still a trip. I haven't done that Toulouse trip yet. Say they just have so much respect and connection with that Toulouse group. When we won that Toulouse match, I was waking up with a broken leg in hospital. Must have been special to at least have that to wake up to. Yeah, like imagine here in Galway Bay going, is this really happening? And I'm like, am I drunk? Am I hungover? What's going on? <laughs> Did I wake up from the operation? Yeah, I genuinely thought it was a dream. I had to ask the nurse like four times, this is happening, yeah? I'm not imagining this. Nice. And Osh, tell me about your first time watching Munster, especially in Tolman, because... Tolman is a special ground. I don't think there's anyone who can deny that. But to have your first experience there, how can you describe that? So, I mean, it's incredibly special. I was there with my dad as well. And like 
Thoman has had so many of those miracle moments and I was really privileged to be there for one of the first of those in the kind of the European journey that Munster went on. It was January 2000, Munster v Saracens in the pool stages of the Heineken Cup. And we needed that win to qualify. I think we didn't quite realise exactly what the combinations of tries or points was going to be. But I remember Ronan O'Gara got a conversion, uh, slotted it off the upright with the last kick of the game to to win 31-30. to 30. And that actually gave us a home quarter final. Like it was unbelievable. And you talk about Munster always about trying to do it the hard way. That was another classic example. Like big bruising game. But you look at the the players on that team. You know Anthony Horgan, who for years was the top try scorer for Munster, um, before Simon Zebo took the record. Stringer and O'Gara. But like the other names that really jump out at me, as as was always the way with Munster in those days, is the pack. Like Peter Clossy, Keith Wood. John Hayes, Mick Galway, John Langford, and then Quinny, Wally, and Anthony Foley. Like, that's, I don't think there's ever been a better pack than that, including like the current Leinster team. Like, that's just an extraordinary eight players, like all of them legends in their own right. At club rugby, especially, like, that is just phenomenal. And oddly, every single member of that pack has left their mark on Irish rugby one way or the other. Like, Cossie goes down in history. Wood is, I think, the best hooker Ireland have produced. John Hayes literally saved Ireland from how much bad defeats. (laughs) The term no scrum, no win is so true. Like, we might not have won matches, but he made them more respectable just by holding the scrum together for so long. Definitely. And, you know, then Quinlan Wallace Foley. What can you say? David Wallace is, has always been one of my favourite players. I saw a couple of clips going around on Twitter during the week of him just running over Welsh players in an Ireland jersey. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, and like Foley was such a one-club man to then go on and manage the team. He really had that air of someone special and and he really is missed in the Irish rugby family and even more so the Munster rugby family. You talk about special days. I mean, that was that was an incredible day. It was celebratory. It, I mean, that was that was back when pitch invasions were still allowed. I remember, like, I was only a kid, but running out in the pitch and coming back to my dad and be like, "I met Peter Classy. I met Mick Galway. This is amazing." But um, you talk about Anthony Foley and obviously that Glasgow game in Thomond after he passed away. So sadly, you know, incredibly special. The sense of family, not 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 just community, but family there as everybody gathered around and, you know, we're there for each other. We're there for the team. Uh, rugby is so powerful in that sense. I think sport in general is so powerful in that sense. But for me, there's always been a real sense of belonging with Munster, more so than just following a team. For me, sport is more than what happens on the pitch. It's what happens when you bring that many people together in one place and going you're a family like the the sport is almost secondary to some of those experiences you can have and you're safe for example your first game i bet you don't remember what happened in that game but you remember meeting classy oh yeah you know you remember that moment you don't remember the game but you remember this guy's an icon i've met him well come, come to a more recent one when munster knocked out harlequins in the quarterfinal of the heineken cup you know four or five years ago uh that was that was a huge moment for me um, my dad was um, was in hospital just before that, and we weren't sure if he was going to be able to travel. But I remember the two the two of us flew over. I remember my mum still being like panicking that he was going to the game. But the, the two of us in the stands 
watching that. And that, that's an iconic game for Munster. Paul O'Connell with the fist raised high in the sky after the win. James Downey absolutely destroying Mike Brown in the tackle. I don't remember any of that, but I do remember the experience of traveling over and being there with my dad and, and being surrounded by that, that Munster army. But I think we'll probably have to cover away wins another week. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I don't have many of them in my history. Well, I've won <laughs> very special one, but it's more recent history, I think. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely put a pin in that and come back to it. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, though, about rugby being that, that family thing. A couple of years ago, my grandmother passed away. Last year, like everyone who follows this podcast knows my granddad passed away. And I stepped back from pretty much social media, Twitter, everything, just to get my head right. And I remember that first game. I went back to the sport. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, P. And I remember on both occasions going back to the sports ground for that first game. And obviously people who knew me knew what happened. And just that kind of good to see you back, arm around the shoulder. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's something else to see people come together and be there for each other. And I mean like Connacht is Connacht might not be the biggest fan base, but it's one of the closest. Like it genuinely re- it reminds me of a GA club so much in that level. It's like because we're so small, because we're have the smallest population, we have to be that more in tune with each other. We have to be just that more connected with the players and with each other. Because otherwise, why are we there? You know. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good way to remember that the sport goes on and it's there for us when we need it. Except when it doesn't go on, we still have the memories to look back on, right? Yeah, and those memories are important and those connections are important. And it's weirdly those connections that will get us through situations like this. You know, what can you do for that fellow fan? You know, what can you do for your family members? And doing all the right things now will just benefit everyone in the long term. Definitely. I I think I saw a really interesting post from one of the guys from the Blood of Mud podcast in the UK that... If you're trying to think about all that time that you would be spending with the rugby club, think about the people who you spend that time with. Is there a way to help them? Maybe maybe go online and get a second jersey this year instead of going to the matches and spending money on tickets. But uh, there's lots of options to, to try and keep connected. I, I'm sitting here wearing a, wearing a Munster jersey because it didn't feel right wearing anything else doing this podcast. <laughs> I'm here with my... Well, I only wear Connacht jerseys when I'm not working anyway, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> and like and that's it you know like i say when i'm not working i i literally have no work for the next two three well whenever tv decides to you know happen again um and rugby players are in that same boat you know they're all kind of going twiddling thumbs going what are we going to do until hopefully september yeah there's going to be some super jacked players coming back in the new year or they've gone completely the other way and they're like <laughs> Beer bellies all round. <laughs> uh, that could be a that could be an interesting start to the season. Imagine junior rugby with a higher skill set. <laughs> oh man, I'm not exactly looking forward to that, but we'll see. It'll certainly be an improvement on nothing. Yeah, and the thing is, nothing won't last forever. And we're planning to try and help fill the gap by doing a podcast every week. You know. We don't know exactly what we're going to talk about every week, but that's where we're kind of looking for anyone who's listening. What do you want us to talk about? What do you want to hear about? What can we give thoughts on, bring memories back off? You know, we need to be a community. We need your suggestions to help us because this could be going on longer than we hope, but hopefully not too long. 
I, what would be great to get the ball rolling, so I guess Porik and I have told you about some of the most important games that we can think of, but also our first rugby memory, the first home game we were at. Send us a tweet on the second row. That's at the second row. 2ND, not the word second. I didn't think I'd be saying that again for a while, Porik. Um, or let us know on Facebook and Instagram. What was your first game and what did it mean to you? And uh, I'm sure there's, there's a decent chance Porik or myself will have been a, at a couple of them. So we can we can have a chat through that or talk about some of the players that we remember. But definitely let us know. And I think next week what we might start with is some of the big away trips we've been on. I mean, the, the Red Army has a good reputation. So I've got a, a nice full back catalogue to go through. Wait, you're a Soviet? <laughs> the other Red Army, Boric. All right, Jesus. sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> but yeah, do keep in touch. Keep the community going. Keep the rugby conversation going. Keep connected as really that's the most important thing we can do at this time. And uh, we'll see you all pitch side soon, hopefully. Hopefully. So until next week, talk to you soon. Take care.